16, uh, verse 13. John chapter 16, verse 13. It says, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. I think it's important for us to begin to recognize that as a believer, we have the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. And as the Holy Ghost will speak to you, uh, he doesn't speak the things that he would want to say. He says what the Father tells him to say. And because of that, I, I, I think oftentimes we kind of, we want to dismiss the things God reveals on the inside of us. Uh, because we look at the natural and we consider more things than we probably should. Uh, in other words, if God took the time uh, to reveal something to the Holy Ghost and then tell him to share it with you, then how many of you know whatever he shares with you has to be important to you? And the Holy Ghost has many names, if you will, or he's referred to in many different ways, but one of them is the spirit of truth. In other words, what he reveals to you is in fact truth. Now, the challenge with truth, particularly in today's world, is that truth is interpreted as if you can have your own truth. Or in other words, someone will say, well, tell us your truth and I'll tell you my truth and then we'll figure it out. Well, the reality is that there is no individual truth. There is only truth. And with that, 2 plus 2 equals 4. That is, in fact, a truth. But if you shout 2 plus 2 equals 4 at the devil, there is no response because it doesn't matter. And so there are eternal things or eternal truths that go deeper than just natural understanding or the natural things. And with that, when the Bible says that he shall speak or he'll sh and he'll show you things to come, how many of you know that by the Holy Ghost, he'll begin to reveal to you the things you need to know and the things that are about to come and he will guide you into that truth. Uh, in other words, he'll lead you into the depth or to the nature of what that truth is. If we go to John 17, 17, it says, sanctify them, sanctify them through thy truth. And it says, thy word is truth. Now, Many people struggle in this area of truth because they think that just because you have knowledge of something, uh, that makes it true. Uh, there are people who are highly trained in certain areas and may even have degrees in certain areas. And they'll believe, well, I know this to be a truth because this is what I learned. Well, the problem is that the only real truth that exists is the truth of the word. That is the substratum of everything uh, that we believe. And so as we are presented with a level of godly truth, often that truth conflicts with what we believe naturally or what we see naturally. We are not of those of the people or we are not of those that walk by sight. We are to walk by faith. And so our faith will bring us to a place of often contradicting what it is we see in the natural. And so the only barometer we have or the only uh, testing that we have is that the word of God says what it says and we have to learn to believe what the word says because there are truths that exist in this world that might be a truth but they are not the truth. Uh, one of the things we were talking about a little bit earlier was the idea that in today's society, uh, particularly from the coronavirus starting uh, until now, over 100,000 businesses have gone under. Now, the significance of that, now this is from coronavirus only. The significance of that is for you to understand that we were already in what they were calling the retail apocalypse. And that was retail businesses were shutting down by the droves. In 2019, it was, I think, 18 to 20,000 businesses shut down in, in that year. And so the first successive or the previous successive five years, more businesses have closed since COVID happened than did in all the last five years. Now, <clears throat> the, the reason why I brought that up was because what the media plays on is the idea to give you enough information 
to think you know what's going on. But not enough, or to think you're right, but not enough information to know that you're wrong. And so they lead people by a truth or what they want to believe is truth because if you say it long enough, people will accept it as truth. Uh, in, in the absence of water, people will drink the sand. And as we are going blindly along, a lot of uh, even believers are watching things and, ha- and are completely deceived as to the reality of what is in fact going on. So then when you look at truth and you see how they have twisted and distorted the truth, then it wouldn't shock you to know that the media, the media world has made over $600 billion in the same time frame that 100,000 businesses have gone under. They've made $600 billion. Tell me how that's possible. Where everybody, in, in, you know, other businesses are struggling. Not everybody, because I ain't struggling. But other businesses are struggling. I got to watch how I say things. Because you have what you say. So the interesting thing, though, is 100,000 businesses have gone under, yet they've done $600 million, or billion, rather. How do you think that happens? They're twisting truth. And they're leading a society of people who don't know what's really real anymore. You just know what people told you. <laughs> How do you know that to be true? Well, I saw it on TV. Are you kidding me? I watch Disney on TV. That don't mean there's some big old green ogre running around protecting the village. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? People think just because you saw it on television that it has to be true. Or that everybody's saying it, it has to be true. No, it's not. And this is the biggest challenge today where people don't know how to discern truth anymore. Our feelings become truth. Well, I just feel a certain way. Nobody cares how you feel. That doesn't make that truth. That just makes it really how you feel. And so the, one of the greatest reasons why people struggle Remember, we've been talking about being a container uh, of his glory and being a uh, carrier of his message. And we're talking about the attack that comes against people who dare to believe God. And one of the biggest challenges why people struggle with their future is they believe what their past says more than they do about what their future says. And so you have to ask yourself, why is your windshield bigger than your rearview mirror? It's so that you keep looking forward and not backwards. And as you begin to look at your past and the things you struggle with and the things you've gone through, it'll begin to redefine your future if you don't allow yourself to get out of it. That's why the Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. In other words, he said, I reason like a little kid would reason. And if you think about how little kids reason, they don't care about anything but what they want. If you want to know what selfishness is, deal with a three-year-old. You will learn all about what selfishness is. Because in their mind, it doesn't matter how much chocolate cake, you just pay the the dental bills. It doesn't matter how many toys I have, you just buy them. My child is on her little, uh, we got her little, it's an old Apple, but it's a play computer for her because she's sitting on top. I said, what are you doing, baby? I'm ordering stuff off of Amazon. (laughs) I had to double check it to make sure it really didn't work. <laughs> like, next you know, people knocking at my door. <laughs> the, see, the nature of how children think is they see things in light of their own truth. And as you are believing God, you have to learn that the Holy Ghost is the one who will guide you into all truth. The Holy Ghost is the one who will show you the things to come. And they're not always going to be, and most of the time, they are never consistent with what you see in the natural. This is why the Bible says you can't put new wine into old wineskins. See, the the nature of wineskins where they were satchels that held wine, you put the fresh wine in, and as it fermented and expanded, it would expand in the satchel. And that's why the satchel was made of leather, because leather will stretch. Then you pour it out and put new wine in it again. Now it's going to go through that same process again and stretch. But this time, because it's already been stretched, it's going to stretch again and break. 
And now the wine spills out all over the ground and you have ruined the satchel and you've ruined the wine. See, when he says you can't put new wine into old wineskins, he's saying you're, whatever you currently are believing and how you're acting and how you're thinking, you can't put the plan and the promise of God into that. Because if you put the plan and promise of God into an old way of thinking, an old way of believing, it'll bust your way of believing and what you are believing for will spill on the ground and be ruined and destroyed. Because the only way you can receive the things of God is to have a new mindset, a new mind skin, and understand that if God has said this is going to be, regardless of what I see in the natural, I'm going to have to trust him. Because if he told me to buy this business, stop saying, well, you know what the economy is? Do you know what my bank account looks like? God knows exactly what your bank account looks like. He knows exactly what's going on in the economy. And if he told you to do it, he's not going to tell you through your friends, through your family, all the people you check with first before you do anything. He's going to tell you on the inside by the leadership of the Holy Ghost. He's going to say, this is what I want you to do. And you better learn to not look at what you see, but to follow what he's told you. And if you walk in what he said, you'll begin to walk by faith and not by sight. And contrary to what the world may say, the only truth is the truth that is revealed from God. Amen. Everything else is temporal and subject to change. And so, let's go to Hebrews real quick. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharp and any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and soul and capital S, lowercase, your spirit. And the joints and marrow, it is discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what he's telling you? That your soul, your mind, will and emotions. You know, the thing that gets you all Twitter-pated and messed up and things and you don't see it anymore clearly like you should. You know what I'm talking about? You, you, you know, <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you know, you don't see it like you should because your heart's in it. Or, or you know, you, you, you <laughs> And then your friends are trying to tell you, girl. And, and you just ain't hearing it. You're going right off the cliff. That's because you're sold. You know how people tell you, you know, I, I would slow down if I was you. I, I'd pump my brakes and just take it easy and maybe use some wisdom. And you just go right off the cliff. That's your soul. Your spirit's in there going, mm-mm. No, nope, don't do that. No, nope, she's not the one. Now, but see, if you're not listening, you will follow your soul. Or, or you'll think it's God because you heard it from somewhere. Never having the understanding to know that the Word of God is, what, is the only thing that's able to separate the soul and the spirit. So just because you think it's God doesn't mean it is just because you, you have an impression about it. He said the only way you can cut them two apart and know which one it is, is the word of God has to do it. That means they run so, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and your spirit run so close together that only the word of God can separate it. That's why when people come tell me, oh, I just know what God told me to do. I'm like, God didn't tell you that. How would you know? Because the word don't line up. Well, I don't know where that is because you don't know the word. Because this was the word taught every time you disappear and don't show up for weeks and weeks at a time and so you don't get it because satan knows he doesn't want you to get it then all of a sudden you come back and now you got a problem that relates to what you would have gotten if you'd have been where you're supposed to be you'd have got what you got now you see what you saw and wondering what's going on because you didn't allow the word to separate like joints and marrow you know like bone marrow joints and marrow Soul and spirit run so close that you could not, you, you might, you'd be like, I know my spirit, I know my spirit, this is, no, you don't know. If it disagrees with the word, it's definitely not. That's why I said my word is truth. And so what I'm talking about is the leadership of the Holy Ghost, because this is the place where when Satan brings his greatest attack, this is where it is. He comes after your stuff secondary. 
But the greatest thing he's after is on the inside of you to control and to lead and to guide you. Because if the Holy Ghost will guide you into all truth, then Satan will try to guide you into all deception. And there's a constant battle on the inside of how do I get you off so I can destroy the plan and the purpose of God for your life because then you'll start walking by sight. Because that's all you have when you lose contact. <laughs> you ever watch any of the military shows or something? And they, they'll be radioing it. Here's where we got your position. This is the way you need to go. And then somehow they lose contact and they say, you're on your own. <laughs> we got no radio support. We got no intel. You are on your own. That's what happens when you forget about the fact that on the inside of you, there's a Holy Ghost. And God speaks to the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost speaks to your spirit. And your spirit is trying to tell you things. But you going pedal to the metal off the cliff. And then you're like, well, God, why didn't you stop me? Because you want witchcraft, not leadership. Witchcraft is not leadership. Leadership is I'm going to tell you. This is this. <laughs> I'll tell the story again because I've, I've said it enough times. But just in the event there's somebody who's not here who hasn't heard it. There was a minister, very popular minister, who was traveling uh, with someone. And he had his own private jet. He was flying somewhere. He did a meeting. was getting ready to get back on the plane. Holy Ghost inside him said, don't get on that plane. And so he said, I'm not getting on that plane. He said, I'm going to wait till tomorrow while the plane checked out, and then we'll fly back tomorrow. And this person who was with him was, I believe, his music minister or his kids minister or something. Uh, they served together, and he said, I, I got to go home. Uh, there's, a, there's a wedding. I don't know if it was his wedding or somebody's wedding, but it was urgent for him. So he laid hands on the plane, pled the blood of Jesus over the plane, and the plane uh, took off in the plane. The plane crashed. He died. And the pilot. Now, see, you would think to yourself that if, that, that if the leader said he wasn't getting on, at minimum, the pilot would have said, I ain't going either. Amen. Now, if you could fly this puppy on your own, <laughs> go ahead on. But people think, uh, you need to think about this story. The Holy Ghost told the leader not to get on that plane. The emotions, the soul... Of the other person said, I can just plead the blood of Jesus and pray my way out of what I disobeyed my way into. And people don't understand the leadership of the Holy Ghost. God's not going to uh, uh, stop what he's already told you not to do. If he said don't do it, there's something that's coming that needs to be dealt with. I've heard people say, you know, like they're afraid of flying or whatever, which flying is, is the safest mode of transportation, but people are afraid of flying and they're like, well, you know, it's just like, well, what if it's my time? It's like, well, come on, really? You think God's going to put you on a plane with a bunch of people and then say it's your time? Or then they'll say, well, what if it's the pilot's time? I mean, seriously, think about these things. But people feel this way. And the reality is that you can't overcome what God has already guided you into because he's trying to guide you into truth to lead you into success. If he has a plan for you, a plan to prosper you, how are you going to get into that plan if you are not listening to his directions? And so when truth comes, if we don't have the ability to discern what truth is or is not or what is real truth and what is a truth we'll miss the plan of God for our lives and then we'll make shipwreck and then of course the first thing we do is blame God God how come you didn't how come you didn't well I try to tell you I try to tell you w when did you try to tell me when, when y'all were sleeping together I tried to tell you before that you wouldn't hear it because you are too hot you are Netflix and chilling <laughs> now you're on my couch getting counseling because <laughs> y'all got married and it's all <laughs> well if this one was supposed to do how come God didn't say anything really you was too busy calling out his name y'all don't talk to me today I'm on one I apologize in advance <laughs> so the word of God <laughs> is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword.
piercing even to divine scunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. So then the only thing that truly can reveal to you what is your soul and what is your spirit is going to have to be what? The Word of God. And if the Word of God lines up with how you're handling things and what you're doing, then you know you can trust the leadership on the inside of you. You now know this has got to be from the Spirit. And anything that is of the Spirit is going to lead you into success. That's why I said the Holy Ghost will guide you into all truth. And as you are following the things of God, because this is where people get uh, mixed up, is they think, well, I know God told me to do this. Yes. Well, then why is there an attack? And the reality is that God will lead you through things, not into things. His goal is to get you to the other side of it. Maybe there's some things in you that you can't seem to let go of. Maybe there's some struggles in you. I've had, you know, different situations where guys will say, Pastor, I keep dating the same type of girl because you're the same type of guy. You haven't dealt with your inferior complex of Lassie. You want to you be Captain Saver. So now everybody that comes to you in distress, you've got to save them. Come on, somebody. And that's a weakness in you, not in them. That's your inability to discern that you have value beyond your ability to be used by somebody else. Quit crying about being used. They keep taking advantage of me. All they want is my money. That's all you flash around. You got no other substance. That's why they take what you all you have to offer. And so the discerner is the word, right? Because as the word begins to break it down, it'll reveal to you what's really going on and where it's really coming from. And so the things that are in you, you have to begin to believe and to understand that if he's inside of you, he's revealing things to you and he's working with you in accordance with the gifts that's in you. Every one of you has a gift. Every one of you has a purpose. Look at Romans 12, 16 in the Amplified, or 12, 6 in the Amplified, please. Having gifts, notice what he says, faculties, talents, qualities that differ according to the grace given us. Let us use them he whose gift is prophecy let him do what according to the proportion of faith do you do you do you understand he's telling you that every single person has a gift but your ability to walk in that gift will be based on your faith concerning the gift so it isn't that god didn't give it to you It's that you have no faith or belief in it. And so because you have no faith or belief in it, then the gift doesn't work in you like it would work in someone else who has the gift of prophecy, but they have worked their gift or their faith to the place where they have learned to step out by faith and prophesy. Keep going. He whose gift is practical service, let him give himself to serving. He who teaches to his teaching. He who exhorts encourages to his exhortation. He who contributes, let him do it with simplicity and liberality. Uh, He who gives aid and superintends with zeal and singleness of mind. He who does acts of mercy with genuine cheerfulness and joyful eagerness. Every one of those areas, he said, there's a grace that, that God has given for you to function in that area. Do you know there's a grace for giving? It amazes me how many people want to be successful and want to prosper, but don't want to give. So why would God bless you if you don't give? Because he's not trying to get it to you. He's trying to get it through you. But people, oh, I, I just want to prosper, Pastor. I just know God's called me to prosper. Well, if he did, then how, where's your faith to, towards giving? Oh, well, you know, I'm just, uh, God's working on me then you wonder why the grace is not working. You wonder why the gift is not working. Well, pastor, I know that I'm called to be an evangelist. You sure? Because you might be just called to be an exhorter. 
which is a very common thing that happens in the body of Christ. People have the gift of exhortation and, oh, they're evangelists. No, they're not. The sign of evangelists is not to get people saved. You're supposed to get everybody saved. That's your job too. So why would that be the sign of an evangelist? How many, <laughs> y'all got quiet. How many of you, all of you, unto the sound of my voice, know that it is your job to get people saved? Okay, good. So then, why would getting people saved be the sign of an evangelist? The sign of evangelists is miracles follow their ministry. Because miracles, healing is the dinner bell of salvation. In other words, you get people healed, get them saved. Get them saved, get them healed. So all these things he's saying, these are the gifts that are on people. If you have the gift of giving, do it. If you have the gift of exhortation, do it. If you have a gift of, of mercy and taking care of people, do it. One of the things I, I mentioned earlier about Al, Al is a, a very mercy-driven person. When I'm ready to knock somebody's block off, I talk to him. Because there's a gift in him that I don't have, and he helps me. See, this is what you've got to begin to realize. Every one of you has a gift in you that God put in you. When he said you were fearfully and wonderfully made, when he said when you were in your mother's womb, I knew you, and he said he formed you in her belly, trust me when I tell you, he put certain things on the inside of you. And whether you see it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you want to or not, whether you've compared it to other people and thought, well, this is not that serious, you have no idea how great that gift was, if he took a moment to put it on the inside of you, if he took just a second to give it to you and then told the Holy Ghost to start talking to you about it, if he did all of that, he did it for a reason. See, when I was a little kid, I always thought the biggest present at Christmas was the best present. Right? You know, you, you, we, in my house, everybody went around and picked one present and you, you went around and everybody opened it and then you picked another one and you know, just kept going around until all the presents are gone. And so as a kid, you're like, well, what's the biggest one? Because that's the one I want to open first. But you learn as you grow up that it ain't the biggest present or the biggest box. Let's say it that way. It's the small ones. Because the boxes get smaller and smaller as you get older and older. Quit looking at the box and trying to figure out why what you think in you is small. Because you keep thinking it's little and you have no realization that the greater things don't come in these big flashy boxes. The greater things are in fact... <laughs> this is why... Uh, it's, it's pretty cool, too, because I was, I was in my office after first service. I went to my office, and then on my timeline popped up a uh, memory. And the memory said this. Your visibility doesn't equate to your value. I just, we just preached this. And then all of a sudden here, boom, this pops up. I'm like, see that? That's the Lord. Because your visibility does not equate to your value. See, people think just because you're on a platform or you're the pastor, somehow you are, are, are in some way more equipped and better and more prosperous and more this. That is not the case. That is not the case. Only in the body of Christ can a janitor have a private jet if he needs one. So then it's not about visibility. It's not about what you perceive to be a bigger box. It's about what gift is on the inside of you and are you willing to bring your supply. That's why the Bible says that the hands can't say to the knees, don't be a knee. Could you imagine if you had no kneecaps? Every part's needed. Every part is necessary. But see, when you walk by sight, When the Holy Ghost is going to guide you into truth, he's not going to guide you into your feelings. He's going to guide you into the truth of what God said about you. 
And can you imagine what it begins to look like when a group of believers come together that know exactly what their piece and what their part is and knowing in the area in which you're weak, so-and-so is strong. See, you have to realize as you look around the church, you need everybody around you because they have what you don't have. They've got a gift you don't have. And there's something God put in them that you need for all of us to then come together and to bring a supply to each other. There is something in my wife that I don't have. When I'm ready to blow up and literally start swinging, she has a whole different temperament. Baby, calm down. (laughs) It'll be okay. Why? Because what's in her is not in me. That's the necessity that is generated when you need other people. And when you come together as the body of Christ, if Jesus is the head, the Bible says he's become the head. Who's the body? So then if we want the fullness of what Jesus can do, how's that going to happen? When you got the pastor trying to figure out how to study for a sermon, not this one, <laughs> trying to figure out how to study for a sermon and they got to clean the bathrooms at the same time. Again, not this one. We have people who serve and do very well here. I am so appreciative of the people who serve here because they make it easier for me to stay focused on what I do, the part I'm supposed to bring. I'm serious. So we have great servers. We have phenomenal servers. But I'm telling you, I know people who have been in churches for 20, 30 years, and they still run into do every single thing. And then, and then, and then the people, pastor's message is a little stale today. Yeah, because he's cleaning the doggone toilet for the last week. I've heard, I've heard different churches say, well, we don't pay the pastor too much because we want to keep him humble. The devil is a lie. The devil's in the church. Think about that. What if you walked into your job and your boss looked at you and said, I don't really want to pay you too much. I want to keep you humble. You'd be like, you take this job? (laughs) I'm trying to get you to understand truth from a world's perspective and then as it relates to truth from God's perspective. And there are truths related to things that God is trying to lead you into. Because the Holy Ghost, his whole job is to guide you into truth. In the midst of a world of lies. And he's on the inside of you talking to you about things. Saying, look, this is what... And and, and if you're not careful, that's why the Bible says don't sear your conscience. As with a hot iron. You know what a hot iron is? It's not ironing like an ironing board. They didn't have irons back then. It's like a poker, red hot poker. Get a wound, you sear it. That closes it up. So don't close up against God. Because then now you won't hear him anymore. He's trying to tell you something. You're like, nope. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not listening to you. What is God going to do at that point? How does he lead you anymore? You're going to have to fumble your way through it. And figure it out the hard way. And hope you don't lose your life in the process. Are you all with me? And so if we all have differing gifts, I am different doesn't mean I am better. Just means I'm different. And in a world where people are being taught, I mean, our, our kids nowadays are being taught to try to figure out how to go along with everybody else. How to blend in and how to fit. And nobody's taking the time to tell them you don't fit. I don't care what Jenny does. Jenny might be from the block, but Jenny's not going to tell us what we're going to do. Because she's a devil. So you don't do what she does. You don't follow what she follows. You don't act like she acts. Well, we can't be different because if we're different, we'll be ostracized and we'll be bullied and we'll be this, that, and we'll be attacked and we'll be... Listen, simple. You never put your hands on anybody as my child. You never initiate anything with anybody but anybody got a problem with you and they put their hands on you knock them out hit them with a two-piece and a biscuit done I'm not kidding because there are you know, people that well to be a good Christian you know you turn the other cheek I don't have time to preach that message but if you read that on your own you'll see what he was talking about he wasn't saying you're allowed to do whatever you want to do and hurt me, and I'm being a good Christian. 
You ever wonder why nobody attacks Muslims? Nobody picks on them. You want to know why? Because they drop bombs over Baghdad in a minute. But y'all got it in your head. Oh, you know, to be a good Christian, I'm going to have to. Now, again, for all those who hear this and say things, because you know how people will take sound bites and make it say what they want it to say. Pastor Gene Herndon is not telling you to drop bombs over Baghdad. (laughs) Pastor Gene Herndon is telling you to mind your business and stay to yourself and live as peaceably as you can amongst people. However, if you come and touch anything that belongs to me, you have now violated my boundaries. And at that moment, you get what you get. It's just that simple. Because the Bible says there's a time for war. There's a time for peace. Never mind. (laughs) So, in those differences between people, the world treats unique and and differences as prejudice. And And see, that's a fallen intellect. Because now what happens is people get jealous of each other. Oh, she thinks she's doing in that dress. Looking like, looking like you wish you did. So go ahead and finish the statement. Finish it. Looking like what? Looking like you wish you could wear it. But you know you couldn't wear it. Look like a bag of fish jumping around. I'm like, I just don't like. No, no, here's what it is. You mad she can wear it. You mad you can't. And all the ladies said... Let's just keep it. And so, and so the struggle becomes that really differences from a fallen intellect becomes discrimination and prejudice. Whereas God never told us to do that. He told us to embrace differences. Because there's certain things in them that are not in me. There's certain things in him that's not in me. But when we come together, we have a greater measure of Christ. And then we add her, and we add him, and we add him, and we add her. And we start adding everybody. We get a greater measure of Christ because there's certain things in each and every one of us. And our differences, we all have different things according to different abilities and different gifts and different traits. And as we come together as a body of Christ, we should not be jealous of one another and struggling with one another and upset with one another and and going through gyrations with one another and avoiding one another and upset with one another because that was not the way God called it to be. God said, I put something in him I put something in her I put something in you I put something in them I gave everybody a piece and when you come together with the same purpose with the same power with the same mind he said then the suddenly start happening suddenly things start to break suddenly things start to change suddenly my spirit starts to move and the power becomes real because I have learned that we are all different There's gifts in me that are not in you. There's gifts in you that are not in me. I don't need to be jealous of you. Listen, none of you can be me like me. Often imitated, never duplicated. See, that's, that's not arrogance. It's confidence. But when you're insecure, you worry about everybody. Oh, they might take my job. I don't want them to serve because they do a real good job. And then all of a sudden they'll be doing what I'm doing. It's like, oh, yeah, that's the point. So you can get promoted. (laughs) You think it's demoted because you see it from a fallen intellect. (laughs) Everywhere I've ever worked, everywhere, I always made it a point to work myself out of a job. Because if somebody else could do it, I can't get promoted. Some of you really should pay attention because I'm giving you an answer to why you're still in the same spot. I can't get promoted if nobody else can do what I do. You call it job security. (laughs) And I call it stagnation. I want to go up. (laughs) Promotion comes from the north. And so (laughs) I can see the gift on people and I can see it differently based on different personalities. This is why when people wonder 
okay, pastor, why do you do things the way you do? Because that's the way God told me. And God told me based on me. In other words, he might tell you to do it differently based on your personality. I'm more of like of an Elijah. I want to call down fire on folks. So God will talk to me a little differently to get me to calm down <laughs> than he may you. Because you may not be there. Well, pastor, sometimes you can be hard. That's my personality. But then that's why God sends people to me to be developed so they don't die on the vine. Because some people, they're so soft and tender. You hurt my feelings. You think the devil cares about your feelings? You think he's up there going, oh, they're crying. Oh, be still my little devilish, no heart-having self. You could care less. We're in this thing to win it. I said we're in this thing to win it. It's like you going to boot camp and crying to be in boot camp. That's why they send you home. You ain't ready. Chicken is not done. <laughs> so then, if we don't have fallen intellects, then when we look at other gifts, we have to recognize that our gift is not inferior to anyone else's. It's a different purpose. Amen. It's a different way. Uh, Samuel 17, verse 32, I think. First Samuel 17, there it is. David said to Saul, y'all pretty quick back there. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. In other words, you're a little kid. He said, and this dude been fighting folks since he was a kid. You are not able to go. What is he looking at? Outward circumstances. He's looking at the box. Then he goes, David said to Saul, let me tell you a story about a man named Jed. <laughs> he said, thy servant, some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, and I just, I just aged myself. The ones that do, you're old. <laughs> right along with me, so don't, 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 don't take it the wrong way. Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took the lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, smote him and slew him. Now, you know, David did not do this of his natural ability. And then he goes on to say, Thy servant drew both the lion and the, slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of of the living God. In other words, he said, he's not attacking me. He ain't even attacking you. He's attacking what we represent. He said, in the same way this lion and this bear became my victim is the same way this guy is going to become my victim. So then he goes on to say, watch. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me, the Lord, that deliver me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee because you'll need it. Keep going. And Saul armed David with his armor and he put a helmet of brass upon his head and also armed him with a coat of mail. If you don't know what a coat of mail is, it's not the stuff the USPS delivers it's chain metal suits that were put over the body so that if somebody swung a sword at you with not enough strength, the chain would block it and protect you. It's armor. And so he put all these things onto David. And then David girded his sword upon his armor and essayed to go. In other words, he started to go. And then he said, you know what? I haven't proved this stuff. He says, I haven't tested these things. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested it. And David put them off him. So he took off this helmet. He took off the chain of mail. He put down the sword. And then he picks up his staff in his hand. And he chose five smooth stones. You know why he got five of them? Because Goliath had four brothers. 
And he had one for each of them. So here he takes off metal armor. And he says, let me grab a staff, some rocks from the brook, and a slingshot. And I'm going to go out here and fight this dude who is 10 feet tall. His spearhead was 120 pounds. The head of his spear, 120 pounds. <laughs> See, you better stop letting other people try to mold you into who they think they are. Because who you are is not the same as who they are. And so what worked for Saul is not going to work for David. David said, I've got to use what I know how to use. Because there are things God has put in me. There are things God has given me that has made me unique to me. While the armor might work for you, y'all sitting back here crying and acting like a bunch of lily livers. But I'm out here with, some, with a staff, some rocks, and a slingshot. And I'm about to go out here and put in some work on this dude. Because I'm going to use what I have. I'm going to use what I been given. I'm going to use what I know that works for me. And if I know that God has put things on the inside of me that is unique to everybody else, quit comparing yourself to other people. I don't have to be like you. I don't have to look like you. I don't have to act like you. All I got to do is follow the Holy Ghost. He'll guide me into truth. Now I celebrate my uniqueness and my difference because I know that I can stand by myself and not have to be like you. Because every time you put your armor on me, I'm going to fail. Every time I choose your way of doing stuff, I'm going to fail. Every time I think about how you would want me to do it, it's not truth. There's only one truth. That's God's truth. And he'll guide me to be successful. And everything he tells me to do, the way he tells me to do it, is unique and idiosyncratic to me. This is why when other people want to tell you how to do stuff for you, the audacity, the boldness, Saul, you sitting here trembling. Y'all scared. I told you I'll go out there and fight him right now. Because I've told you, I got history. I remember a lion. The anointing came upon me and I grabbed that lion by his beard. So I'm ready to go. You over here whining. Now you're going to tell me how to do? Listen, never sit under the shade of a tree that produces no fruit. Never. Because some people don't produce not near a bit of fruit but want to tell you. <laughs> you ready? So uh, let's go to Matthew. Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods and unto one he gave five talents to another he gave two to another uh, one every man according to his several ability every man according to his several ability every man according to his lowercase several ability in other words God gave one five one two and one one and how he chose that was based on the ability of the person so if you're a one talent person quit trying to be a five talent person because until you increase your capacity, yes, and it's always one-talent people that always want to judge five-talent people yes, or two-talent people. The one he gave five to, he went out and got five more. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then the one that did, had two, he went out and got two more. He told him the exact same thing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He did not care whether you had five or whether you had two. He cared that you did something with it. The one that had one talent, he said, I knew you were a hard man. You sowed where you didn't uh, reap where you didn't sow. And he said, you're just a hard man, so I was afraid. So I hid it so that when you come back, I could give you back what uh, it was that you gave me. He responded and said, at minimum, you could have put it in the bank and gave me mine with taxes and usury or interest, rather. So then he took from the one and gave it to the one who had ten which flies in the face of the socialistic craziness that people think that God is about socialism. Because why would he take from the one who didn't have and give to the one who did? 
Because the one who did used his gift. That's all God cares about. Everybody has a gift. If you start measuring them against everybody else, you're going to get into trouble. All he cares about is you do what you're able to do. If you have an ability inside of you, then do it. If you've got a gift in you, then do it. Why does the church have to beg you to be involved and to help out? Why do you take your gift and go to American Express or IBM and you give your heart to them, but then God wants to use your gift in his house and in the church, and we got to beg you and ask you to be a part of something, and if we don't come and put you on the spot, you ain't doing it. And yet God's stuff, stuff suffers. Well, you know, pastor, I got to work. Oh, like we don't? But everybody else seems to figure out how to make it work. Well, you just don't understand my situation. I don't need to understand your situation. God understands your situation. And the truth of the matter is your inability to trust him causes you to go out and trust the world. But then you're mad you get what the world gets. When all the while he wants to know, what, what, what are you doing with the talent I gave you? The gift I gave you. I put this gift in you. I gave it to you. What are you doing with it? Oh, well, I knew you was a hard man, so I was just trying to make sure I gave you back what you gave me. He doesn't want back what he gave you. He expects you to do something with it and increase it. See, I've learned that peop- there are people who play at what I hate. Seriously. Bean counters. Accountants. Some people love spreadsheets and counting and moving numbers. That's just their thing. Me, I can't stand it. I know how to do it. I don't want to do it. Some people, they, they know, you know, my, my landscaper, he knows all that kind of stuff. He loves that stuff. He can tell you what kind of tree it is. It's a, it's a herbus ficus from micus, anicus. This one grows this season. This one grows in that season. This one needs this amount of water. This one needs that amount of water. Me, if you leave it under my care, it's going to die. I do not have green thumb. I got a black thumb. Leave it with me, it's dead. Oh, I was supposed to water that thing? Yes, you were supposed to water. Oh, well, hey. (laughs) Such is life. (laughs) You live, you die. <laughs> See, I want you to understand there are things that people play at because that gift is in them. And you have to be careful judging other people's gifts because they have a part to play. That's what makes this world go round. There are things you know how to do that I don't know how to do. There are things you are gifted at that I'm not gifted at. There are things you can do I don't have the patience for. There's some people where they can do stuff and it's just meticulous and Man, if I can't put it together in four or five steps, my mind has just moved on. I'm like, I want a big, let's go to bigger things. Nothing's wrong with that. This is why our children are so misunderstood. Because we expect them to fit in the mold of every other child. And then we let doctors label them. Oh, well, he's got A, D, F, B, I, C, A. M, K, Lel, Crickletta, Crickletta, I. (laughs) And we let them label our kids because they don't fit what they deem to be the norm. When the reality is, what are you talking about? You ever think the reason why they might not be doing well is because they're smarter than where they are? Not that they're slower, but this this is not challenging them. But then you let institutionalized thinking, a fallen intellect, begin to guide you into truth. And then the moment you accept this truth, you are speaking this stuff over your kids. Oh, my kids got A, D, D, B, by B, this, that, and the third. It's like, oh, okay, you sure? Yeah, that's what they say. Okay, well, why do you keep saying it? What do you say? Because I say my child is highly gifted and intelligent. I say my child has the Holy Ghost working. I say my child is a blood-bought redeemed. She's under my auspices in my house. The same anointing that's on me is rubbing off on her. She will see and understand and know things far beyond her realm of comprehension. What are you saying? Don't tell me what they say. They're operating from a fallen intellect. Trying to speak truth into your life. Some of y'all got a little heated when, when certain 
individuals of political power kept saying fake news, but y'all need to adopt that phrase. Start calling things fake news. Well, your child has fake news. You'll never be fake news. Never mind. Let, let, let's, go, let's go to uh, Romans 11.29. We might actually make it to the end on this one. <laughs> Romans 11.29. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Remember how Job said the Lord given, the Lord taketh away? Blessed be, blessed be the name of the Lord. You do understand that was his revelation at that time. But that is not a true statement. Everything God put in you, he will never take back from you. If he put it in you, it's there. It's there for good. You can live and die and have never tapped into all that he has for you. But you want to know something? Satan knows what's in you. Better than you. And you're going to be attacked at the level that Satan knows, not what you think. So you can downplay it all you want. You can talk, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that serious. I'm a nobody. I'm a this. Satan knows exactly what you are. And he knows when you're a threat. And he'll run you through the mill if you let him. This is why you have to know that those things God put in you, he will never pull them back. Ever. He put pieces of himself in you. His very DNA is on the inside of you. You were made in his image. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Greatness is on the inside of you. Then you got saved and he put the Holy Ghost on the inside of you and said, now lead them and guide them into all truth. Don't mean you're not going to hit obstacles on the way. How many of you have ever had your GPS guide you perfectly every single time to where you got where you were going with no detours, no changes, nothing? You just went straight on and every time. No, your GPS is going to tell you where to go, but you still got to go get there. And will there be challenges? Of course. Will there be detours? Yes, there will. But guess what? You're going to arrive if you pay attention, if you're sober. <laughs> Romans 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me, the grace. You know what grace is? The unmerited ability and favor of God. He says, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself, what? More highly. Everybody say, more highly. In other words, don't overestimate it. You know what that means? You still are as high as you are. Just don't go so far to, to the point where you're in excess. And here's the thing I've noticed. Believers tend not to be overestimators of themselves. They tend to be the exact opposite. They're underestimators of themselves. They don't usually think of themselves more highly. They're just drunk with the fear of their own lives. They're drunk with the fear of their past. They're drunk with the fear of their struggles. He said, according to God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. Every one of you has a measure of faith. Every one of you has a gift according to the grace of God that he put on the inside of you. Quit acting like you're just a sinner saved by grace. I can't stand that statement. People are, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. They call themselves being humble. That's not being humble. That's being stupid. I used to be a sinner. I am saved by grace. Now I'm the righteousness of God. I am his child. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm a covenant kid. I belong to him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I refuse to let you diminish what's going on on the inside of me. If you didn't know, you better ask somebody. There is greatness working on the inside of me. And when we all come together with that understanding, then I know there's things I might not be able to deal with, but I'm going to call on him and say, speak to that thing because I'm not able to get there. He's going to call it out and things will change because there's things in him and in him and in her at literally everybody has got something that causes them to be part of the body of Christ and is according to as he has dealt every man. Not man as in gender. Mankind. Every person. He has dealt. He said just don't think too highly. Don't scrap in a level you ain't ready for. 
You know what you do? You find somebody who is. You might not be on level 10. Go find you a level 10. Say, listen, um, if you don't mind. <laughs> this one right here, I, I don't know what to do with. And you'll run into somebody like, oh, I know what to do with. I'm going to put my foot. I know what to do. You ready? Come on. You ain't even got, look, you just agree with me. We're going to handle this thing. How do you think that works? It's because everybody has. This is why we as the body of Christ, we've got to learn. We are containers of the glory. We're containers of the message. We are vessels unto God. There's an attack that comes with that. Why? To keep you focused on all the wrong things. So that you'll forget all about the thing he's called us to. Watch uh, Romans 11. To play down the gift in you is like a slap to God's face. It's absolutely, well, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm nothing. God didn't make you nothing. God don't make junk. God don't make junk. For you to play it down and act like it's not real and not a big deal. And, you know, you know, maybe he skipped me when he was handing out. No, he didn't skip you. You skipped yourself. Let the Holy Ghost guide you in all truth. You'll come to the realization you're talking crazy. He said, literally, for I speak to you. Or, did I tell you where to go yet? Romans eleven thirteen. 13. Sorry. For I speak to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. Notice what Paul said. I magnify my office. In other words, I ain't going to brag on to you about me. Me is nothing. Remember, he said, I'm educated. He said, I, I've been to the best schools. He said, I went to the school of the Papri. He goes, I've been to the best schools. I got the best training. He said, and I count it all as dung. Anybody know what, don't know what dung is? Doo-doo. He said, I count it as nothing. He said, the only thing I count that's important is Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I magnify my office. What's he saying? Listen, I don't care what you think about me. I don't magnify me. I magnify what God's doing in me. You want to understand what I'm all about, you better talk to me about what God's doing. Because anything related to me is nothing. It's worthless. He said, but I magnify my office. See, people think that when you begin to feel confident in who you are, that you are arrogant or you have uh, missed it. Look at Hebrews 10, 34. For ye had compassion on me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring, enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You know what he's saying? Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Don't you lose your confidence. It's not arrogance. You don't play downplay who you are. If you're a container of his message, you, you know what that is. You're a believer. You're a child of God. Don't let nobody talk down to you. Don't let nobody play you down. As if you are not operating. When you walk, I don't care what you're going to go buy a car. When you walk in there, you better expect favor. Well, we've never done that for anybody before. Well, guess what today is? <laughs> today is reckoning time. I'm serious. You've got to have a confidence to know. The Bible says you are surrounded with favors, with a shield. Everywhere you go, everything you do, you are surrounded with favor. Greatness follows. He says, I will go before you and make crooked roads straight. Everything you put your hands to, he says, I'll make it prosper. All you've got to do is cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Because your confidence has great recompense of reward. Amen. Put that in the Amplified real quick. Do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. Amen. I like compensation. Amen. I do. How about you? He said, don't you cast away your confidence. Are you going to take that from you? I'm a child of God. 
you better deal with me right. If you don't deal with me right, I, I feel for you. I'm actually afraid for you. You don't handle me well, I, I'm, I'm concerned. Businesses don't do things right for me. I'm concerned about their business. He told me that I will curse those that curse you. And I will bless those that bless you. <laughs> you start dealing with me in the wrong way and I'm like, oh man, Lord, forgive them. Because <laughs> otherwise, it's not going to turn out good for y'all. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the covenant I walk in. And we as believers, we got to come up, y'all. <laughs> he didn't say, don't think as highly as you are. He said, don't think as highly, higher than you actually. We got to come up to a place where we believe in the gift that God's placed in us. We yeah. believe in the things that God's put in us, that we know that we cannot cast away our confidence. And let me tell you, the world has a way of beating you down. I get that. But we have got to forget about the things that we see in the natural and start letting the Holy Ghost guide us into truth. And when he guides us in the truth, he will guide us into the truth. Yeah. Are you all with me? Yeah. Praise him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for illumination. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for clarity and understanding. Father, we thank you that we know that most believers are really struggling with bringing their image up and not really so much of thinking too highly of themselves. So, Father, I thank you that they will not cast away their confidence, that they will stir up the gift that's in them to know that you have put great wonderful and unique things on the inside of them that they will learn how to operate in them father and you'll lead their way successful that you gave according to their several ability and as they increase increase their ability you will give them more father we thank you for it in jesus name all believers in the house said amen, amen. sure